Tonight we have a very uh, special program and a special topic, and uh, many of our listeners and all many members of the Ummah globally would have learned the news of the passing away of Junaid Jamshed Mazum in a PIA plane accident here in Pakistan. So I wanted to dedicate this program uh, to his memory. Here with uh, listeners, uh, I was only uh, honored twice in my life to meet him. Uh, three times, but twice to meet him, and one big time was just a handshake. But from what I knew of him and knew about him, and what I saw about how he was able to affect the hearts of many people, here in Pakistan in particular, and observed. I think it's a very interesting theme, also an interesting life lived the theme of our program, Taskia, because it really shows uh, how much Allah Swantala can accept a person if they really want to purify themselves. Those who may not be familiar, I can explain. And was born raised here in Pakistan and uh, then became a musician, celebrity singer, pop singer. And uh, actually, I mean, I'm not that familiar because I wasn't raised on myself, but became perhaps uh, the single most famous pop singer of his time. We would call whatever hitting number one hits or number one charts. And in an interesting way, even in that stage of his life, he had this ability, an Allah-given ability, to, although obviously at that point it wasn't being used for the right purpose yet, but he had this ability to connect with people. And he used to sing songs, uh, some of the songs he sang were about Pakistan. And it somehow, you know, again, I was not part of this, but from what I understood is that his songs about Pakistan had a deep impact on the country and the nation. We say not the music and singing the musical accompaniment and pop star celebrity culture and all of that is not something that's part of our being, right? But we're just remembering his life so you understand who he was and then how he changed but he had this tremendous following and he was like beloved to the people. And the reason I'm mentioning the topic of this, this particular song of his is to show that he wasn't just a random singer that people were fond of him because of his music. Actually, he was not a musician from the life. No, he was more of a singer. But it wasn't just his voice, you know, that people were attracted to. It was lyrics or the words that he chose. Now, 
Allah Sağlık Teala hepimizden çekilir. Yani Allah Sağlık Teala mevzu tofik mektaba. And the first aspect of this tombah was that to the best of my knowledge he never ever returned to music again. And then the second aspect of this tombah was that he started following deen. He kept praying salah. He started following the sunnah and the akreen sunnah on islam. And that itself would have been a big miracle if there was a person who was such a big celebrity and such a big singer. And if he turned his back on dunya, and he turned his back on that whole world, and he simply made toba and he followed the sunnah, followed sharia, made ibadat from the small and he lived the rest of his life like a pious practicing Muslim, that itself would be an incredible story. And there are, you know, many people like that in the celebrity world. But then Allah SWT Bless him to do more than just make a toba, his own individual private toba. Allah's Father blessed him to guide and inspire others. Now, you know, there may have been occasionally a thing or two that he did that, you know, from a more obviously strict Orthodox conservative scholarly perspective may not have been the way of Baalat, per se, that would have befit Ulamar Mashayev. But in his own way, in his own style, he had a great sticker and concern. Allah Ta'ala has blessed me to make Doba, and I have to help and guide others. And he was greatest inspiration in this, Mashayev Malatar Jamil, who not only was the inspiration for Janain Jamshid Nuhum to himself make Toba, but was also the inspiration for him, and if, who was the one who inspired Janain, or whom to help others make Toba. One aspect of that that most people know about was that he decided to sing not or poetry and praise and say, Manasullah, Hamd, recitals and praise of Allah SWT, different nasheed, different poetry recited with different Islamic topics and themes. No doubt that was a major contribution and there were a lot of people who used to listen to his recitations. But I don't know Allah and I'm not personally met somebody who necessarily changed due to the poetry that he recited. Rather, it was two things. One was his life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give tawfiq to somebody to make tawbah like that. He hoped and inspired many other people to make tawbah. Only to share it with you when I saw this myself live. And second was his dawa was his calling people to Allah Taala with love, with sincerity, with honesty in his heart and in his tongue. If you know in her deen, when a person speaks from their heart, 
to impact the heart of other people. Like I said, I was only to meet him many times in my life, but one thing that happened when I had met him and that I genuinely learned and knew about him was that this was one of his favorite topics with Doba. And he would never, ever shy away from sharing his own life and his own experience. In fact, he would open up. And again, you know, if there's a sinner and they make Doba to respond Allah, and then they follow a life of being that itself is a miracle. And maybe they never ever share that sin with anyone. They just go hide or they just, you know, become an unknown person. That's perfectly acceptable. He said no. Even if I have to remind myself of that sin, because I have to, when I share it with the people, obviously I'll remind myself of my past. This doing that would help others. And inspire others to make Papa. He felt that, okay, I can do it. Because I would think, you know, somebody like him, if I'd been in his shoes, I would have, you know, never wanted to have been in front of a microphone again. I would never want to come on the screen again. I would never want to address any gathering, any public again. That person would want to remain private after that. And like I told you, the whole nation, it's all deep even now. Things that we learned was that even the most secular people are all uh, deeply moved and affected by his shahada and passing away in the plane crash. People who otherwise, one particular, I won't take his name, but one particular journalist who otherwise writes the most, most vicious and nasty and horrific things about Islam is maybe the single most anti-religion journalist in this entire country. Even he has written, Allah of Bukhabira, even he has written words of praise for Janine Jusha. So what happened was that I'm sure Janine Jusha had never wanted to realize this, that there's a certain Mahubiya Makbuliya, there's a certain belovedness and a certain acceptedness Allah had placed in the hearts, especially in the country and the people of this country, but generally I know in Ummah, but especially in this country. He used that, and he tried to use that, and he would never, ever shy away from using that. I just make people to Allah. The first time I met him, he came to a university where I used to teach, and this was very, you know, at the very beginning, you know, in the first year that I was teaching. And I never ever met him before in my life, never even, you know, been anywhere, you know, because I'd recently come back to Pakistan to teach. And before when I was Pakistan, I was studying and I did not go to any gatherings of any kind. Uh, I was living a very solitary life. And then when I went back to America, but then when I came back to Pakistan, well, I went. I was amazed when I went at the numbers of people who turned out to hear him. And that's really when I got the first idea and sort of real-life glimpse of how fascinated people were by his story. And again, in that talk, he shared that story. And although only because I've not attended or heard many talks of his, but from the few that I have heard, that particular talk was very unique. I think that he was also 
very emotional and very deeply moved in that talk. And the likelihood was because, you know, he was addressing very young people and young people who had, you know, maybe been his fans, maybe their teens. But there were people, many of them, not all of them, but many of the young people were still on a lifestyle that was distant from Islam. And that's a very unique and special type of dawah. You know, one is for a person to make dawah, and 99% of your audience are people who already pray Salah, right? Most of us, ulama, mishayif, can help us to believe, let me give a talk, at least it's a mission. 99% of the people who have of us are already interested in deen, following deen, inclined towards deen, making ibadah, etc. If he had this ability, because of his background, to attract an entirely different type of crowd, and I think maybe Allah that when he saw this particular crowd in front of him, which I also know very well, which is a crowd of, let's just say, young students, the vast majority of which are very far from being. They're a very different type of dawah when a person is put in that position. So what he did was he, you know, he, he did exactly what I've already mentioned to you. He gave them that hope. He gave them his own example. And he shared with them his journey. And he did it in the most uh, honest and sincere and touching way. And I remember looking, because I deliberately sat towards the back, uh, and I remember seeing the effect that his words had on those students that night. It was, you know, electrifying. I was amazed at these people. And I also was very moved in my heart at that moment. And I remember making the lot of the Samatana that you know, these people there somehow he is he's reaching them. You know, and I remember making Bhattu to let his words reach all the way and reach their hearts. Let this not just be a moment that passes in their lives, but let it actually be something that brings about a transformational change in their lives, hearts. Because I knew the Prophet Muhammad Shahid Mahfoum, whom Allah Ta'ala wanted. He didn't just want, and he wasn't at all like that. But lecturing just for the doing Islamic lecturing for the sake of fame, or some new type of celebrity status, and Allah would protect any and forgive anyone who had to raise their tongue against him, protect his memory, lest anyone ever try to defame him in his absence, which is entirely against the teachings of our ethics and morals and values of our thing. I saw it live, and this was not a showman. This was a mukhlis dai. This was a person who had a heart-rending concern to the people in front of him on the lifestyle that they were leading. And alhamdulillah, he was able to change and transform the hearts of so many people. As he continued to do this, and under the inspiration of Sheikh Maltar, then he used to go in Jamaat and out of the belief, and he used to go out and tours, and he was going to come in and he wouldn't, it's not that he only would address the elites. I remember one incident of one person who told me, I can't remember what he, I don't remember exactly the background of the person, but he was not an English speaking elite of this country. He was lower class, Urdu speaking of this country. And how that at once, when Jim said he was on Jamaat, that he met this person. 
And this person was not on Jamaat, was not on Deed. And that's another thing that many people outside the country can realize that it's not just the upper class English educated elite that's far from being here. And all classes, people are very large segments of the population in every class that are far from being in this country. So he was, you know, although I can't remember either riding by in his bicycle or his motorcycle. And he had, you know, a very young man and dressed, you know, in hair, especially in the design of the celebrities or lectures, you know, that type of haircut. And he said that Janet Jim said Mahum just stopped him. And so when I saw who the person was, obviously he's such a figure here, said I stopped. He said he spoke, he spoke with me so lovingly and so nicely. He said I couldn't believe that this person has such a concern for me. I'm just an ordinary person going by. And just that interaction and that love and that concern changed this person's life also. Just from these two, one example that I saw and one example that was directly narrated to me from all spectrums of this society and all backgrounds, age, gender, everything, he had this impact on people. And yes, he knew it, and yes, he used it, but he used it with ikhlas, he used it with love, he used it with deen, he used it for the sake of Allah Sponsor, for the sake of those people. And that's a very rare thing. You know, how many Muslims can say that they do that to the extent that he did? How many of us have used the knowledge to the, for the sake of others, or our lives for the sake of others, and experiences for the sake of others? or anything that we have for the sake of others the way he did. For me, much more than his uh, albums of Islamic poetry, recitation, was his work of Dawah, and his work of Dawah in the field, through Jamaat Tabliq, his work of Dawah in universities, his work of... And you know, he used to also... He kept trying to make Dawah on his former uh, musician, celebrity, actor, type friends. And he kept trying, and he kept trying. And maybe, you know, there may not have been any one of them who changed as dramatically as he did. Because this is the fuzzle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that there were many who were affected by him, who were softened towards deen, who became less harsh towards deen, who became more open towards deen. And maybe, you know, just him getting them to move that much, or to nudge them even that even to a limited extent, in the direction of Allah Santa will be enough to save them, enough to save them on the Day of Judgment. So when I attended that first public lecture of Janine Jamshin, so because I was myself personally moved by his talk, so then I found out immediately that very same night that he was going to be giving a much smaller private talk at somebody's house, residence, a modest house, here in this area of law and his defense. So, I recently got my car, so I hopped in the car and I drove and I found that house. And again, I just sat, uh, you know, this was a much smaller gathering though. And I remember actually I was even surprised uh, that I thought you know, many more people would have come, but then I realized that it was really low-key and very few people had known about it. And I also just got lucky and overheard and just came. And what happened at the second talk? Well, the second talk was a different crowd. The second talk was mostly people. Ninety-five percent of the men had full sunnah beards, and probably many were, you know, 
very regular participants in Jamaat belief and were more, let's say, at least outwardly observant to religious people. So, you know, there's almost like back-to-back talks on the same night. Now, in this gathering, obviously, then he didn't, you know, talk like that about Doba in terms of he didn't bring up his old life and his old self. However, uh, and I, I personally, but I felt, I remember feeling very strongly at that moment that he was also very moved by that first talk that he had just given to those young people. And here, he was very humble. Like he was humbled by the experience of giving that talk to such a large crowd with such a large electrifying reception and audience. Here he was just very reflective and very casually talking and, you know, saying that I'm nothing and if it wasn't for Ma, Dr. Neil, you know, uh, I would have never been able to change. And he said, you know, I remember another thing he said, he said, I hope Ma, Dr. Neil takes me to Jannah. I remember thinking in my heart at that moment that Allah knows best, that it might very well be the other way around, right? And, you know, really, uh, I would say that to all of you, uh, that however much you may think that the teachers will be taking the students to Jannah on the day of judgment, I think for the vast majority of us, and especially in this era, uh, it's our only hope uh, that there will be some student of ours on that day who would be, uh, you know, so accepted and beloved to Allah Sallallahu Alaihi that they could take us with them to Jannah. I think here, uh, perhaps, Again, Allah found on those best, and I don't want to be, you know, exaggerating things due to emotion. But Allah found those best. But perhaps, perhaps, the single greatest uh, good deed that make it, or make it the greatest acceptance by Allah Ta'ala of Allah to the day judgment, maybe how much he was able to, not just initially, but throughout uh, his life guide and inspire and nurture by Junaid Jamshin. If I was mouthed out to me right now, uh, because then, you know, uh, he, Junaid Jamshin, is mahukam, uh, Mahukam, Hukmi Shaheed. Hakiki Shaheed is that person who gives her life in jihad to Sabinullah on the battlefield. And Hukmi Shaheed is that person who, through reliable text, has been Given, will be given the status of Shaheed on the Day of Judgment, although they were not actually martyred on a battlefield. So, Zunin Jamshan hadn't died uh, in the manner that he did in that unfortunate, tragic uh, plane crash. Uh, you know, I personally even imagine that scene, uh, and I imagine him in that plane being very strong, and as soon as it must have become clear that this plane is going to crash, I imagine him standing up. I imagine him giving dawa and, and belkin of toba and kalima, uh, even reminding the passengers to make repentance and recite kalima. I imagine that they all, the whole plane due to the baraka, not just merely of his presence, but his guidance and his presence of mind and the zikr of Allah at that moment, that all of them would have passed away making toba and dawa and zikr of Allah and I also imagine that he would have embraced that shahad bravely. 
You know, Allah Subhanahu wa sometimes puts different people through different tests in this world and different trials and difficulties. And I think that for me personally, again, that uh, the way Allah Ta'ala has called them up really feels to me to be this was obviously his destiny and his decree. And then I always, you know, I find it even more amazing because obviously we only found this out yesterday when that had happened. But obviously Allah Ta'ala has known this. So I could just imagine in the knowledge of Allah Ta'ala that the name says when he is, you know, clean-shaven, pop singer, Allah Ta'ala knows at that moment also he is going to become da'ib, he's going to become da'i, he's going to have sunlight, he's going to inspire tens, if maybe even hundreds, thousands of people, and he's going to die shaheed. And Allah Ta'ala knows all of this, all the time, throughout, uh, even right live when the name is said, the thing is biggest pop, number one hit on the biggest concert tour, right then, one of, no one in Makhluk knew, but Allah Al-Khalaq knew, as he always did and always will, he knew everything. And when he was gazing at Janine Jamshid at that moment, he knew that, okay, look at this fine fellow now, right? That he may be singing whatever he's singing, but as Allah Ta'ala knows, that he's going to make Toba and going to make Dawah and then get Shahada. So there, on that second talk that he gave that night, and I think I start talking, then, in a strange way, very different to the way he did it in the first talk, in the second talk, again he starts talking about his son. But not, not, not for the purpose of inspiration to the audience. It was, it, it was almost like a confession. Almost like a confession. Then he became teary-eyed. And everybody was sort of, it was a very awkward moment. And you know, we're there. It was again another air and atmosphere. There it was electrifying. Here it was, you know, humbling. Everybody was just looking down. And then he said, and you know, and this was the eye that I recited. He said that, you know, with all his night gives me hope. And that Allah subhanahu wa has said in Quran that he will change, that Allah subhanahu wa can change the sins of a person into good deeds. And then he said, ultimately from the whole gathering, and that because of all the sins that I've told you, if Allah Ta'ala changes all these sins of mine into good deeds, and I have hope that I will also get the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. That was the ayah, إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَأَمِلَ آمَنًا صَلَيْهَا And this was, although that ayah may be initially revealed for a different thing if you look at the whole passage, it's still, and this is important, especially our listeners in South Africa, I want to stress this, that the مُحَقِّقُونَ مُفَسِّرُونَ That means the ulama of this fear who were viewed as authoritative and having deep expertise in Tafsir. They believe in what is called umum in the ayat of Quran. Umum means that an ayat of Quran might have been revealed on a specific occasion, in a specific context, and obviously this verse is about particular things that go in the verses before it. However, the ayat has umum means it is a general relevance and universal applicability. So when we understand it like that, so the way you translate it is what? Except, now look how we're talking about it. Unbelievers are about to double their punishment. Double or multiply manifold their punishment on the day of judgment. And Allah Ta'ala will enter them into the humiliating, blazing fire of Jahannam forever. Right? Illa man 
except for that person in the sequence is important. Here's one. Except for anyone and everyone who makes true toba. If they were making toba from kufr and shirk, obviously, then they would obviously adopt imam. And if we take the eye in a more general sense so that it encompasses even sinning believers like us, means then it becomes true to their imam. They let their heart be united with imam. They adopt all the sifat and attributes and characteristics of imam, so they make toba and they go deep in their imam. So for us, we can even think about umana, we can go back to the religious Quran. That those who have iman are intensely extreme in their love for Allah Taala. So those who make toba and have true iman and from adopt all the sifat, osaf, attributes of iman, which includes truly intensely loving Allah and they practice. They practice ibadah, they practice akhlaq, they practice good deeds, they practice virtue. They practice all the practices and acts and teachings of virtue and piety in Quran. These are the people whom Allah can transform and change. Sayyatihim hasanat. Allah can change their sins and their evil acts into virtuous good deeds. And indeed, Allah SWT is ever all-forgiving, and He is ever and always all-merciful. But this was the Not only did He remember this verse that night, right? Uh, he lived this. And we hope and we make dua to that Allah SWT made, you know, and this is the beautiful hadith that Nabi Akrim Sallallahu taught us, that the hadith of Qudsi Ibn Allah SWT said, says and always says and declares for all eternity that I will be with my slave as he esteems me to be. I will treat my slave as they think I will treat them. And what did this mean? It didn't mean that a person would think that Allah would forgive them without doing this process. No, what it meant, what that hadith could see really means and when a person accepts deen, understands deen, reads Quran, comes across an ayah, believes in the ayah, tries to practice that ayah, while practicing that ayah, has hope that Allah SWT will make that ayah come true for him. If a person does that, then in the Zanni and be with that person and treat that person the way that person thought Allah Ta'ala would. And this was what he was saying that night in the second smaller gathering. This was he expressed. This was his hope from Allah SWT. Why? Because he'd heard. He didn't even recite the verse in Arabic. He just heard. He meant to heard the And I have great hope in this. That Allah Ta'ala can change my sins into my good deeds. And he did. He made the toba And he adopted the attributes of Imam. And he made Amal Asad. But we can imagine that Allah SWT did all three things and hope and pray to Allah Allah to make that even more the case that Allah Ta'ala change his sins and the good deeds Allah Ta'ala showered him with his incredible and makhfara forgiveness and Allah Ta'ala Ta'ala drowned him in his limitless endless mercy of his Rishma this is a person that we have to learn from we have to learn from his life we have to learn from his legacy we have to take this ayah right the Surah Fukhan Surah 25 verse number 70 and we have to take this ayah and we have to try to live it 
and we have to try to be like it. And we have to, and, and you know, for all, I know, you know, in South Africa and Seattle, except there might not be so many people like that who listen very deeply, but certainly in this country, in Pakistan, people have been very deeply emotionally affected and moved. Uh, and, you know, it's a lesson that Allah can call a person at any time. And if a person can go in such a state that they made their tuba, and they made the tuba, and they made da'wah to Allah SWT, and made da'wah of deen, and I think, you know, anybody would feel that if Allah Ta'ala gives anybody, and Allah knows best, and this is our hope, so if Allah Ta'ala gives anybody the visa of Jannah and Jannah, so for those, anybody would want to go now. And this is a blessing, I think, that Allah Ta'ala rescued him from the pitfalls and traps and trenches and deceptions and delusions in this world, especially in this horrific time that we live in, in a crisis of every single thing related to deen, we make dua, and we ask everybody to make dua that Allah SWT shower his rahman makfara on Jinnin Jamshayn Shaheed Malhum Allahu Ta'ala. And may Allah accept each and every one of his good deeds. And may Allah Ta'ala overlook and forgive any of the shortcomings. And may Allah Ta'ala always remember us to remember only and all the many, many good that he did. And may Allah Ta'ala raise, now in his absence, many, many others who can continue and increase in the good work. That he used to do. Well, I'll send that one up. And I'll send it in the head of